Hey, it's Jeff here. After working as an automotive tech for almost 25 years, I can honestly say that finding employment with the right shop has been the difference maker between loving what I do every day or hating my career choice. Let me tell you, I've been there, but I've also had jobs where work didn't really feel like work. I love the challenge of fixing cars. So loving what I do, that's the easy part. Finding a good place to do it in, now that's been the struggle. And that's where my friends at ProMotive knock it out of the park. They're a recruitment company specializing in jobs for our automotive industry. A-techs, B-techs, master techs, service advisors, managers, you name it. They are constantly looking for applicants in automotive to link them with available job postings at only the best vested shops around the country. ProMotive has a team of professional recruiters that can help you with your resume, prep you for the interview process, and negotiate the best pay and benefits package for you. And best of all, it's free to anyone looking to gain employment. Check them out at gopromotive.com slash Jeff. gopromotive.com slash Jeff. Just think, you could be just five minutes away from finding your dream job. Pride doesn't pay your light bill. I can fix anything, right? You drop it off, I'll fix it. Sometimes that doesn't pay the bill. You make more money if like, if you're like Check Engine Chuck or Mobile Guy. You're going to make more money if you listen to Dutch. You've got to learn how to do that side of it. Yeah, it's just a cycle. We talk about it. It's always been a problem. AST is coming up, right? Top 2 to 5% of the techs and the teachers all be there, right? But what the hell is the bottom 50% talking about? What the hell is the other 80% talking about? What are they doing, right? Will we ever reach those guys? Lucas says yes. I, 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 I beg to differ at times. I know some of these 80%, right? They don't, they're great guys, but they're horrible techs. They're horrible owners. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting, thought-provoking episode of the Jada Mechanic Podcast. My name's Jeff, and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this journey of reflection and insight into the toils and triumphs of a career in automotive repair. After more than 20 years of skin knuckles and tool debt, I want to share my perspectives and hear other people's thoughts about our industry. So pour yourself a strong coffee or grab a cold Canadian beer and get ready for some great conversation. So, so did, you, I, did you see what I posted Chris Enright of Enright Auto. Do you see that where the guy last week, he posted, somebody shared the video from YouTube and the guy was like doing mobile and the customer's standing right next to him and he's asking him about, well, I just watched you put that rad fan in. You're going to charge me. You charged me 50 bucks to put that rad fan in. I just watched you. You did it in like 14 minutes. I don't think that's worth that. Chris reached out to that guy and said, you need training. The video I shared it in the Jada Mechanic group yesterday. Chris, God love him, is one of the few people that, like, he's putting his money where his mouth is. He says, dude, you need training. I'm going to pay your way to AST. Like, not pay your way. You get to AST, and he says, I'll pay for your classes to go to AST for three days. There's a stranger on the internet, just another social creator like Chris, that's out there doing mobile. Chris doesn't do mobile. Chris does his own thing. He's in his own shop. And, he, and Chris says, here, you come to AST on my dime, and you get the training that you need to get. We, we talk in this industry all the time about we sit here, and Lucas, you know, I didn't know what an echo chamber was until Lucas explained it to me because I was living in one, didn't know. We all sit here and talk about what this industry needs and what we need to do. And we're not wrong to talk about it. And the conversation is important and it needs to be had because I see changes are happening. 
But to me, what Chris has done for that guy, and the guys agreed, he's coming down. He's the, the guy's so much like me because he's like, I've never been on a plane in my life. He's never <laughs> flown. When I, when I, before I came to AST last year, I'd never been on a plane in my life. 47 years old, never been on a flight. Right. So Chris is not a big multi-store operation. He is not a guy that did a million in sales last year. Like it's right? just him he and is his a wife, guy right? That, yeah. He, he's building a fantastic client base. He's got more work than he can get done. He's investing in himself. He's investing in his tooling. He's taking training. He's learning. He's aligning himself with the people that can help him get to the next step. He does all the social media. He does more social media than anybody that I know. He's going to be at AST teaching how to boost your social media presence so that, you know, and yet he still takes the time, takes the money out of his own pocket to say, here, Mr. Stranger, I feel like you can benefit from this. Here you go. And I can count on one hand the amount of people that have extended me courtesy in this kind of industry that would help me with something similar. And none of them are the richest shop owners that you're ever going to meet. Do you know what I mean? So we all talk about it and we all say the problem with techs is this and the problem with owners is that. But there's a guy, a young guy that is actually putting his money where his mouth is and says, this is how I make change. I extend that charity helping hand whatever you want to call it to somebody that he doesn't even know because there's no sense in complaining about it there's no sense in telling that guy dude you need training you're doing it all wrong you shouldn't allow the customer that's that's an echo chamber it's in one ear and out the other they don't listen to that but chris all words, said, no, no actions right exactly chris does the action god bless him right so for people that are listening what's the level of success that you think you need to get to before you could do what Chris did? What is it? So I'm not, uh, I'm not paying for this guy that's coming with. Oh, well, I mean, we're, I'm bringing two guys with me to AST, right? Awesome. One works in the shop and obviously we're paying his way. The second one works at the largest shop in the County. Mm. Uh, I text him and say, Hey, I'm going, you're welcome to ride if they will let you go. Mm-hmm. So they're paying his way, and he's riding down with us. So awesome! I'm at least bringing him, so I should get at least a glass of water or something for that. But <laughs> and understand, I'm not trying to sit there and say that owners are not doing enough because if you're already coming to ASTE and you're bringing some of your staff, or you know what, if you're coming to ASTE yourself and you're taking it back and you're implementing it in your business for your staff. You still have mad respect from me, but man, I I can't wait. Yeah. But some of the, you know, to see what Chris has done. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. I I have so much respect for that dude. And I mean, I just met him a year ago. Right. And I I think there's a lot of that that goes on in the upper two to 5% of this industry. A lot of guys that do things that a lot of people don't know anything about. Well, so another cool story. Um, Benji Burris at Frog Pond Performance, my buddy, has a young girl working at his shop, and she's into racing like you were. 
right? She lives for the racetrack. She's working in his shop. And Benji's very big on the apprenticeship thing, right? Getting the young people in and training them up. He's fantastic for that. Somebody, when they found out that Benji had this young lady working in his shop, reached out to Benji. And I don't know who this person is. I'm sure Benji will tell me, probably with the condition that I never speak of it again. Somebody paid the remainder of that girl's toolbox loan off. Just like that. That's awesome. Right? So I'm not going to sit here and say that this industry sucks and that this industry is not charitable. And this, because that's, uh, those would all be lies. I'm not saying that. Please don't take it that way. But there's some of us, and there's there's some, been some people that have reached out to me and helped me be able to do what I do, right? To be able to get to where I've gotten. And then there's a whole lot of people that I know that are in a better situation than they are, and they're not they're not they're not doing that. What Chris did, they're not doing. They're not paying. You know. So I think we can all be better with either how we treat our staff or how you treat your fellow person within the industry. People have heard me say it before, why, why do you hate you know the DIY segment so much? And I'm like, because that person in another shop, you know, if we remove the DIY contingent, that's more cars that we can get in more base. Well, I don't necessarily it's- want that customer. I get it. But that customer still winds up then in what is essentially a brother or a sister within the industry of mine. It might not we be get my rid customer. Of the DIY is save me three or four hours a week on trying to find the bad part that they put on. I mean, really, my, this job my, you can't hardly do at home anymore. I mean, and the problem you've seen it. Look at how it used to be. You could buy a dealer part, and you knew that it was pro- it was good. Okay, so let's you know, go back I've, to this DIY thing. This D, this okay. the do-it-yourself thing. Okay, so it hit me. What's Scuddy doing tonight? He's doing interlocking flooring on his kitchen floor. Right, tongue and groove. I think it is. Yeah, is that what he does for a living? No. So he's taking money out of the contractor's mouth too. So yes and no. Yes and no. I I interject with this. Scuddy, now, that house isn't going to be driving down the street. With, okay, with, I'm uh, with you. It's a safety issue with it. But what if they're just changing their own radiator at home? Well, They can't drive into if, my lane and hit me head on? No. And like up here, there's some gas fittings and gas valves you can't buy for your furnace. They won't sell them to you. You have to be a licensed gas fitter to buy that valve to put it in your own furnace see in america you can buy anything you can buy meth and gas pipe at the same place it's not a big deal (laughs) up here they're not and i and i was always like that's so weird to me because it's like if you put that valve in wrong or whatever you create a gas leak and you blow up your house okay that's a terrible tragedy but chances are worst case scenario the person that's responsible for the accident is the one in the house when it goes up. Right. And, and, right. and Oh, I get no it. But- I, I can argue both sides, but like I, what hit me was, is me and my wife were talking about remodeling the bathroom mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, that's kind of a 
do it yourself or project. What's the difference between that? Like, I don't know. That's why I asked. It just kind of hit me. Yeah. I, I guess because I've seen enough, and I think all of us, when we've been in the industry long enough, we've seen some nightmare stuff from DIY. Oh, break calipers upside down. You know, I mean, shit. Side out. Like, I had one, I remember four months ago, Chevy Sonic came in. <laughs> Retired mechanic helping his son get this car. We have to safety it up here, right? To get it ready for sale or for change of ownership. They'd done the wheel bearing in it, suppressing wheel bearing. When I got to it, okay, okay, I got to do a safety inspection on this car. I look, it's got a bunch of new parts on it. I drive it out of the parking spot and start to bring it in the shop, and it feels like the wheel's going to fall off. And I'm like, what the hell? So the work order says, check wheel bearing noise, safety inspection, blah, blah, blah. I put it on the hoist. I take the hubcap off. I can grab the axle nut with my finger and my thumb and thread it off the axle. Somebody had just done a right front wheel bearing in this and never bothered to tighten the axle nut. And they drove it to the shop. They drove it there to get done. So when people ask me, well, why do you get so? Because if I'd have gotten in it not knowing and drove down the street, and the wheel fell off. Best case scenario is I hit the curb or whatever, and you know I don't swerve in the other lane of traffic, and we call a tow truck and we get it towed back. If that had never had to come for a safety inspection, how far would that have been driving? Would it come off before the wheel come off, and maybe it goes into the other lane of traffic and kills someone in a perfectly minding their own business, listening to the radio, driving down the road. Not respond. They're they're driving a safe vehicle. They've done what they're supposed to do, and somebody that just doesn't value what we do as an industry thinks we're too expensive, whatever the case may be. Decides they're going to do it themselves. They're obviously not competent. Why should that person? I, I not, have, you know, I get that. I have some people local. Of course, we're. We have a naval base where we're at. So we have a lot of engineers running around. So they will work on their own, not out of we're too expensive, more out of a hobby. Or uh, you also have the generation that grew up as we don't take, we fix everything, right? Just kind of how it is around here. So you get that. But some of these guys are better than some of the mechanics I've seen on Facebook. Like some of these guys are pretty good wrench men. Sure they are. But. Uh, they've also ran over themselves on jack stands and different things because they take drive shafts out, not thinking it needs to be chalked. I mean, there's that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I have, I actually have respect for the the DIYer that can get it done and does a good job, but I get where you're coming from. Like, I don't want my wife and kids driving down the road and some jackass put his wheel bearing in and come over and clock them and have to deal with that. So I get it. Now, I understand that it could be the same customer that didn't bother to change it, and they're driving around in a vehicle that they know is making an unusual noise, and they just keep turning the radio up. So you could you could make the argument that it's not the DIY, it's the unsafe car. Okay. Yeah. It's generally the people car. that don't want to spend the money, don't have the money, 
whatever. But yet they have three packs or three cartons of cigarettes and two bottles of top tier bourbon in the back seat, right? And how, how many scratch tickets from the local lottery? Right, and all the polar pops and the fucking Mountain Dews everywhere. Yeah, oh, it's don't the same. Hit. You're gonna have Scunty here. If you hate on the Mountain Dews, Scunty's gonna be here. That boy lives on that. Oh, I know that and tacos and whatever. I think he's Chinese on Wednesday nights. I don't know. I call him every now and then. He's like, I'm getting Chinese to go home. But uh, yeah, I get it. So. uh I'm interested with this shop that we speak of with the family thing. I'd really like to know how it is. <clears throat> well, I'm I'm definitely going to keep people like when I see you at AST, I'll be able to give you a really good rundown because I'll be there. I'll have been there. Yeah, we can have month, breakfast as long weeks. as you're not like you, you were talking five o'clock in the morning. Well, I, six sounds better to me. So <laughs> I, my alarm my alarm goes off at four forty five every morning. Now it hasn't this week. But it normally it's set to go off at four forty five because so bids you're off this week. Do you have a uh, seat full of scratchers and Mountain Dew bottles and cigarettes? No, I. Uh, so we just finished. We just finished building a garage in the backyard, a little one and a half car garage, and um, that's gonna be able to put the boat in. And uh, one whole wall of the garage is already designated. That's gonna be pegboard. Ah, with the spinner baits and all that good stuff hanging on the wall. Tackle store when you walk into the garage, and then um, so in the winter I'll park the jeep. So let me ask you something. So like I've worked here in the family business since I was well, I was screwing shit up since I was twelve, thirteen, fourteen, whatever. Put a clutch in backwards when I was fourteen. There you. So you've been released from a few jobs over your career, right? Several. I don't. If I did the math, it's not double digits, but she's more than five and less than 10. Put it that way. Have you ever <laughs> been given? A, <laughs> how many of them are your fault? Any of them? Not one of them. Not one. <laughs> no, I'm, I, seriously. I mean, beyond. I mean, like, we'll take your number. We'll times it by two. <laughs> so what I'm good at is I'm good at. When something's not right and everybody else in the shop thinks it, I'm the one. You're the one that says it. I'm the one. So has that gotten you? How many times has that gotten you fired? Uh, Probably three times. Were you, uh, could you have went about it different? And been, and been genuine to myself? And and fixed the problem in the shop. Like, could you have went in the office and said, hey, we got to do it this way because this shit ain't going to work. Always tried that. Always tried that. And it that. never worked? They don't want to hear it, right? Because you got to remember, you're just a mechanic. right? You're just a mechanic. What would you know about running a business? And this is the other thing. So it's always been a business thing that, that got you riled up more than the cars themselves. Or was There's it been the a pay couple structure? Times where it's or- like, so here's how it tends to go. When the pay structure isn't what it should be, or it wasn't what they were going to be promised, or they start to shave time, you're not going to get 100% out of me anymore. I'm going to be disgruntled. And when I'm disgruntled, I'm not going to give you 100. I'm probably going to give you 75 on a good day. It's probably closer to 60. 
of what I could really give you. Because at that point, what's the point, right? I've already shown you, I feel, I've already shown you what I can do, what you want, and you don't deliver on your end. Well, what's the real numbers then, right? What is the real culture? What is the real expectations? Well, the reason I ask is, like, I'm that golden child, right? I wasn't going to get fired or whatever. You know, however you guys want to put the kids and the the prince of the auto business. But I didn't know. I I truly live in a fantasy world probably a little bit. Uh, We have a good economic area. This is pretty small. But we have a decent economic area um, because we have a college town thirty miles away. We have the naval base and yada yada yada. But I ta- I list- I've become friends with a lot of people in this industry over Facebook and Messenger and all that good stuff, right? And man, these guys get treated like shit, like absolute dogs. And 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 most of the time, it's not even financially. Like a lot of them, it's not money as much as it is. They're not treated with respect or human like they're human beings. They're treated like numbers or, like you said, grease monkeys. Yeah. I think what's happening now is that the money is getting to where it's going to be crazy money what they're going to pay. And it's not because necessarily that they need that much to live on. It's going to have to be that because they won't accept the conditions and the treatment for less. That's why I think you've seen so many people that it's like, that's why I think we've got to where we are, where it's like, I got myself a job when I opened a business. I didn't make a lick more profit than what I would have made if I stayed on the job that I was on. Right. So right then that guy gets extremely aggravated, right? He's got three times the work for the same money. So then that trickles down, like shit rolls downhill, right? So then that the owner's miserable. He can't hardly pay the bills. This tech wants to come over here and play on his phone or maybe the tech is good, but the owner hammers him with that. Well, you broke that interior trim piece. So that hundred bucks on you, right? Well then screw you, dude. I like, I'm okay. Tomorrow I'm going to take a shit for four and a half hours. Right. I'm not coming out of the bathroom. You know, I want to sit here and watch TikTok. That's right. it, it becomes a snowball effect, right? I mean, so, it's not always the owner's fault. No. It's not always the tech's fault, but we don't help each other either. No, it's the cycle because what happens is, going back to like a, Wash and repeat. Wash and repeat. <laughs> like you said, buddy. That tech that got himself that business, right? He's doing three times as much work as he used to do for the same amount of money as what he would have got paid if he had just shut his mouth and done his job. Right, he'd have made the same money. He'd had one third the work. The reality is, he goes to work every day, and he bears all the responsibility. He gets all the glory. He gets all the fault when it goes wrong. When the business doesn't work, when the, the Mrs. Smith wheels falls off, he didn't even touch the car. It's still his problem. He's not oh, miserable. Take, yeah, but he's not taking shit from somebody else. It's his shit. Right, he and, and that's it. worth a lot to some guys. Some guys are will be miserable for that. That's right. right. We, I've have seen them. I've seen them saying on Facebook. Well, at least I'm not working. I, I might be making the same money or less per hour, but at least I'm not putting up with that stupid shit. It's my stupid shit. 
or dude, look at the guys that'll go out and do mobile in the wintertime or in Arizona. Cody Gotti, I spoke to him last two weeks ago. He'll go well, out he, and sit. He, him and Don melted amp clamps down. They both seem, I seen pictures from both of them, I think. They, but, and screw that. Are they making a ton more money? Not a ton, but they're not being treated the way they were treated. And this is what's, you know, so, all the shots. I wonder if Cody's coming to AST. I'd like to talk to him. Would he still be in a shop if he was treated well? How many of these mobile guys stay in a shop if they're treated well? From the guys that I've interviewed, like Jake Barnes, Jeff Barnes, Cody, what I get the sense of is that they would have if they were treated well. Now, well is a relative term, right? Because you're talking about three super talented guys, really talented. Not that you're not talented. Don't take it that way. But three super talented dudes that are trying to always go that next step, right? Always trying to learn the next thing, just like you were talking about buying tooling and, and all. They're always trying to learn. Well, that very hard to quantify exactly what that is worth and can you scale it and can you sell it? Not necessarily, but every shop out there, they wish they had a, somebody with that talent in their shop. Now, can they run the business necessarily to keep that person? A lot of them can't because they don't know how to charge for it. So most of those, what I've talked about is most of those guys said, if I'd have been treated better, I'd have stayed. Now treatment can be pay. But treatment can also be like, I'll give you an example. So when they poached me from the dealership in Ottawa to come down to Kingston, blew a bunch of smoke up my butt. Oh, we really, you're going to, you're going to come in here and you're going to do diagon because we got a guy and he does it and he's getting old. He's slowing down and, and blah, 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 <laughs> words. I get there the Monday morning. I walk in first time in the dealership, first job walk up to the tower, the first thing they hand me. So I am a tech that they have poached from Ottawa to come work at this dealership doing diet. Do you know what the first job they gave me? A charger that is a lease customer to install four new chrome rims. And I'm looking at, I looked at the tower lady and I went, huh. <laughs> seriously? <laughs> She went, yeah. And I went, okay. And I went out and did it. Now, think about that for a minute. If you're a shop, you hire somebody that you're hiring to do a particular job, then I understand it's going to be, well, that's what you get for working at a dealer. I understand it. But let's think for a minute, right? If you've got people that are strong, you bring them in to do a particular job, and then you give them something like that, do you think that's smart? You know, and you're going to get the attitude of, you're going to do whatever I tell you to do. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. And then that person goes home and they works on the resume. And in two weeks, they have a different job and you lost the tech and you're in a group somewhere bitching about the attitude of the text or that tech immediately comes back and goes, wow, it isn't what I got promised, is it? And then that tech changes what they had envisioned and what their ambitions were for that. 
they went from trying really hard to just getting by. So, so if they would have come to you on the chrome wheel thing and said, hey, this needs to be done. It's not what we brought you here for, but I don't have anybody else at the moment. Would that have changed the situation? If they'd have actually said it like that, that would have gone further. Yeah, I would have done it then. But they didn't. No, because you're the stupid-ass employee and you need to go do what you're told and be shut up and go do it. And and it wasn't like they didn't hourly guys that could have done that. They did. But they were just doing a bunch of waiter oil changes at the moment. Right? And this customer... So, one thing that, you know, we talked about this, we said this is going to be about family and different things. So here's how the family business will go one of two ways. One, you'll be treated like family, start top to bottom, start to finish, right? Or two, you'll be brought in and be the one that does the shit nobody in the family wants to do. Mm-hmm. I don't mind doing that- shit as long as you pay me enough. <laughs> I'll shovel it all day if you get enough zeros there. <laughs> if any mechanic says that they will take less money to do easy work, I'm going to say, I don't know, man. Because I, I, I know enough of us that it's like, you can, you can give me the worst job in the world. I just want to negotiate for pay that makes it worth my while. So you're you're getting not that we're not, but we're both getting older, right? You've slowed down, you like to fish. Right? I assume you've slowed down, right? I have. Oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. not uh, uh, so um at what point does more time off to go fishing become important to you? Are you there yet? Well, so that's the beauty of this shop. Well, so this shop now is it's 4 days a week, 12 to 12, like 7 to 7. That has me worried because I have not worked a 12-hour shift in 10 years. Why don't they do 10s? Don't know. Don't Who the know. hell wants to do 12 hours? Yeah. So that has me worried. But I like the idea that every weekend's a long weekend. Right? Especially you in the always summertime. get Friday off or can you pick whether you get Friday or Monday off? Fridays. And that's because the, the, the owners, they, they, they are hooking up as I was leaving tonight. They're hooking their trailer onto their, their fifth wheel onto the truck. And they're headed, I think, to a campground. They're staying there. It's a long weekend, right? Like Monday will be a holiday up here, so they won't have to be back till Tuesday. And um, that's their holidays. I don't think he's taken a holiday at the shop in quite some time, like gotten away from it for a week, you know? Right like gone flown wherever I'm excited. That's the only part that has me worried. Can I do a 12 hour shift still? And I think, I think I probably can. Cause what I kind of watched today now, again, it's the last day of the week. So maybe the pace is slowing down. I didn't look like it was going to be that hard. So as long as they're not looking to like kill you every day, 12 is not bad. No, he doesn't seem to be that type. Going back I would to, struggle with 12s, but go ahead. Going back to what I was saying when you asked me about could I have changed some of the, the outcome from some of the jobs that I've been fired from? I could have if I was a different type of person. 
I guess is the way I could put it. Right. But it's Fair just, enough. so when I left the dealer in Ottawa, I left the dealer. That's the story. I left the dealer over a half an hour. They shorted me a half an hour on a brake inspection that I did. I was already a little perturbed with the way they were starting to treat everybody. And I made the point of, oh, yeah, watch this. And it was 9 o'clock in the morning. I just got my hour sheet. I just came out from talking to the service manager where he tried to justify why he wasn't going to pay me. And I went, so you're not going to pay me? And he's like, no, I am not going to pay you. French, eh? And uh, so (laughs) I said, okay. You're not going to pay me? No, I'm not going to pay you. Okay. And I walked back out to my bay, and I shut my toolbox, and I went home. I didn't tell them where the hell I was. He comes out. Somebody calls me about an hour later. Not him. A coworker, and they're like, he's looking for him. Like, I'm glad he's looking for me. And there was two. There was I had two bays. There was a car left in each bay. One was a part for an ABS module that was supposed to arrive that day. And another one was there for another caravan wiring under the tip fuse box, heaven forbid, shocking. And uh, I came back in that Monday and I, he said, both those cars were still sitting there. And uh, I said, uh, so it's the start of a new week or you're going to pay me that half an hour? And he went, no. I said, really? I said, okay, then I'm done. And I shook his hand and I went and I left. And I came back two weeks later and I got my toolbox with a flatbed and I, and I moved home, moved back to Kingston, took a job where they had been trying to poach me to go to that dealership. So when I left that dealership in Ottawa, within six months, two more texts that were the drive drivability kind of guys from my from that I did, they quit too. So, so it's not like you got it's not like you got fired from jobs that you really wanted anyway. Oh, you were I, not happy. You were not happy at where where you were at when you got fired. I've never <sighs> probably the very first job that I ever got fired from. I didn't want to be fired from, and it caught me by surprise. The rest of them? They they called your bluff. Well, no, I was, it was, so (laughs) it was my birthday and um, I was on night shift and I was working there with the other senior mechanic and uh, it was, we were supposed to be done at 10. We hustled really hard and it was like eight o'clock and he said, if you want to go early, you can go. And I went, you sure? He's like, yeah, we got everything done. Okay. And it was, so remember it was my birthday. So I called my brother. I have a twin brother. So it's his birthday too. A couple other friends of ours. I go home. I take a shower. We go out, hit the bar, have a great old time. That's a Friday night. Come in Monday morning. Cause a switch over to morning shift and, uh, he fires me. They did, uh, I had finished doing a wheel seal on a truck, big tractor trailer, rear wheel seal, pull the axle out, whole thing. And, uh, put the axle back in all the thing, put my tools away. 
and the senior mechanic was still there. He was still doing something else on the truck. And I went home. Well, he put that truck outside. He knew I'd done the axle seal. He knew I'd finished the job. He never pressure washed the, the rim out. When I came in Monday morning, because that rim had not been pressure washed, because the customer had showed up that morning to pick it up at five in the morning, shop opened at seven, he had called my boss and said, I can't take this down through the way scales. It's not washed. So my boss had to get out of bed, come in, unlock the shop, pressure wash the rim out. My boss felt that I should have done that before I went home. So that was my done. Now he said that I had been getting like my attitude was not what it should have been. I never saw that. It was just a situation of like, I I didn't know. There was no warning. There was just, you know. Now I can tell you that that guy, in the 20 years since I've left that shop, there has been more times than in the 20 years than not that he is always running an ad looking for a mechanic. And he has the reputation around here as being an absolutely smart guy to work for, but one of the hardest people in the city you will work for. He is unwavering in his ideals that everyone else sucks except for him and nobody does the job as good as he would. And you know what? He might not be wrong, but you see how that little thing can go. And I, I mean, I came home and I cried. I cried. I was young. Like I was, life was not, I was having a lot of other stuff going on at times at that time of my life. And I bawled my eyes out. And I went and saw him later that night and I said, I don't, I don't understand. Like I, 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 and he, he said, I can't have you back. I went, okay. I think that's a little bit to get fired from, but, uh, mm-hmm. had you hollered at the senior guy and said, Hey, this wheel need washed out, but I'm leaving would have been a different outcome. Not that that's what should have happened, but knew I was leaving. That is the process that when the wheels are, when you had them out, they got to be washed out. I don't know whether he just forgot, but that senior guy, he was not going to get fired no matter what. Because right. It's always the guy. It's the little man on the totem pole. Yeah. And then the, the other, other guy was probably the other guy's son. See, they don't get fired. And then the other jobs have been like, well, like my first tenure at a dealership. Yeah, I was straight time. The rest of the guys were all flat rate. There was a management change. And um, there was a raise that went through the shop, like four bucks an hour. And all the flat rate guys got four bucks an hour. I didn't get the raise because I was straight time. So what the raise was doing was trying to boost morale within the shop. Because it right. was. And I didn't get it and I got passed over it. And I kind of felt jilted because at that point, yes, I was straight time, but I was doing a lot of the other guys' comebacks. And I mean, they weren't just like simple comebacks. They were like, you know, cars been in for the third time for a check engine light. I fixed it. See, I, I don't, flat rate baffles me to an extent. I get it. I understand what it's used for. I understand that it has a little bit of good, maybe. I don't see it, but I could I could argue a little bit of the good. But like as always, working in the same shop, same 
pay structure, whatever, salary. If I do old changes all day tomorrow, I get paid the same tomorrow evening as I would if I do seven different break jobs, right? I, yeah. I so, don't... Uh, I, I don't... I, I hate flat rate. I hate the thought of it anyway. I think now there was a time in my life in my 20s with all the front-end jobs and the breaks I'd done, I would have made bank. So, see, the thing with that raise going through is they told me is, well, you don't produce enough hours in your straight time to justify the raise. Right. So what I then became was I became very jilted about this producing hours thing. So what I started to do to them is when they would give me so you would get somebody's comeback and then your hours sheet the next day didn't have any hours for that job that you had to do that was somebody's comeback. So I started taking a notebook and I started writing down. Every time you did this somebody's one. comeback. And then I would write it down and then I would go pull the last three ROs when the car had been in for the, four, that was now coming in for the third time. I'd pull the last two ROs and photocopy them, print them out. And I stapled that. So I had a, I had a book, man. And so when they said to me, well, so what finally happened is I started saying to them, is that someone's, that's his comeback? Uh, I'm not doing that. They're like, what do you mean you're not doing that? I'm like, well, I got to produce hours. And they kind of looked at me like, you got a what? I said, well, I got to produce hours. Right. I'm trying to get to where that guy's getting. I want what he gets paid. I want my hours billed. I want my hours tracked. I want my hours proven that I did something not unbilled, not unapplied. I hate those terms. I want credit for fixing fucking car. Well, that didn't last too long because before they finally got sick of me saying, well, I'm not going to do his comeback. So that's why, and some people will listen to this and it'll say, well, you should have got fired because your job was, but was it? Because if I'm supposed yeah, to produce hours. Yeah, I got tired of that shit too. Right? You won't give so me a raise I, because I don't produce enough, but yet you give me the, the, the jobs that don't produce any hours. How the hell am I supposed to get ahead here? So you wonder why I have this jaded view of production because it's all just a made up thing. It's all just a rigged game, right? If I decide that it's unapplied, if I decide I'm not charging the customer, if I decide I'm not billing warranty, if I decide whatever, there's no fucking hours. You didn't produce nothing. This industry is fucked. <laughs> so well, when I, but you look at it, you know, we all have the same issue, so to speak. We all fix cards, right? Yeah. Tommy does computers, you know, Matt does computers and ADOS and I do, I tinker with a little bit of it. Guys do breaks. It's the same across the country, right? The, the work's the same, but everybody's story is the same, but different. They're either treated really good or really bad. There doesn't seem to be in-betweeners. It, it, it's, I can't imagine there's another industry as bad as ours, but there might be. Yeah, I don't know. And I see what I see happening is like too often they're saying, well, the only difference between really good and really bad is your attitude and your perspective. And I say, no, that's not the case. 
Because I mean, I've I've talked to a lot of people that have very similar stories, but then I'll sit down with somebody like like Mario Rojas last year at AST. We sit down and we just start talking, telling more stories. Some of the stuff that I told him, what I'd been through, he looked at me and he just shook his head. Right, and then he would tell me stuff that they tried to do to him, and I'm like, "You're a guy that can do what you do." And they tried that bullshit on you? Seriously. Yeah, I know he's been kicked around pretty hard a few times, just from what little I've gotten off Facebook. Yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing that that guy still has such a better attitude than I do about this industry with what the little bit I know that how he was treated when he first started coming in. So, I mean... Why does this industry right now, and I understand we all got to get better and we're all trying to improve, but sometimes this industry really wants to pat itself on the back. And I look at it and go, I can see right through that. Like, that's just like, you're, you've still got so much to do, right? So much work still needs to be done. Yeah. Well, that's why I said earlier, I, you know, Lucas says we're going to fix it top to bottom. I hope he's right, but there's a whole lot of bottom. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, there is. there is. There's more. There's more bottom than there is top. Yeah, but I mean, that's you know, we we keep pushing towards that. I think we get there. I know. I think it's better than it was two years ago, for sure. If nothing more than the pay is finally it's like when I think about, I was sitting there with my mom and I said, "Do you realize?" three years ago what I was getting paid and now what I'm going to get paid. And I told her the numbers and she kind of looked at me and I went, yeah, four years later. I didn't now, think your the shortage is responsible. 12 bucks difference in four years. Do you, uh, so if, if the pay goes up and the shops have to be able to produce that money, mm-hmm. is that going to weed out the shitty shop owners? Or will they just keep raising the rates and survive? But so I'll counter with that. If all it would take was raising the rates, why have 50% of them not done it already by now? True. Scared. So I think it is going to weed them out because I think like there's a large percentage that are just going to go, there's no way. And then what has happened is I think they've already attracted the worst of the de- of the customers they could get. And those customers are like, I'm not paying that. And they get back in oh, their I ship. think there's some shops that some of us shops don't want to go out of business. I mean, who's going to work on these people's cars that want to haggle and want this and want to do it super cheap and want to use the cheapest part they can get? Who's going to work on it then if we all become top I think some of the mobile, I think you're going to see mobile increase because I think once you start to see the shop rates go up a little bit, these guys, and I'm not talking the mobile programmers like yourself and the mobile diet guys. I'm talking, I know you're talking about the mobile, do it in your, do it in their driveway kind of thing. I think that's okay, but I I wonder if Metro areas will become a, well, that will become a zoning thing though. So they don't have oil on the ground and antifreeze and all that stuff. I watched a guy last weekend on a YouTube video. He went to a Target parking lot where the car was parked, and it was like a Buick uh, 
like a Equinox for all intents and purposes. I think it had a three six or something in it. Maybe it was a two four. It doesn't matter. Starter motor's bad. It's behind the catalytic converter. Now yeah. he's in Texas, so there's no rust. So he gets his floor jack out of his back of his uh, suburban, a couple jack stands, a wheel chalk. He jacks it up, pulls the catalytic converter right out of the, you know, off the bottom of the manifold, off the bottom of the pipe. No rust to speak of. I, he didn't get a torch out or nothing, right? You no, know that's not Canada. And he gets the thing out. <laughs> he's already showed up with the starter because the customer called him and said, my whatever needs a starter. He goes to the auto zone. He grabs the starter. He goes in. He takes that cat off. He puts the starter on. Hits the key on the car four or five times. It starts up. Gets in his service van. He goes off to the next call. He gets a call a couple hours later. A customer comes out to that thing. Click, 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 click. Won't start. Goes back over. He goes through his diag. Battery's not. No problem with the battery. No problem with the cables. Starter's defective. Off comes the catalytic converter again. Car goes back up, right? Jacks the car back up again. Does the job essentially twice. Drives back over to the zone to get another starter. Goes back, puts it in the parking. It was 7.30 when he was done that night. And he'd been on the road doing jobs since since 7 a.m. So what I see is as the rates are going to go up in the shop, some of these guys that are just not going to work in a shop, they just will not work in a shop. They want to be their own. I'm gonna. I think you're gonna see more of those mobile guys. I just think it'll become because it'll be customers are gonna get to that point where they're not gonna pay a hundred and sixty dollar an hour door rate. They're gonna pay a hundred dollar rate. Well, who's gonna be there with a hundred dollar rate? Some guy with some tools and a van. Yeah, he has less overhead for the most part. And I don't knock them until right? it rains like, or it snows. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't work. I can tell you right now, it doesn't work in my climate. You've got, you would have six months of the year where you could do it. And then that would be it. You can't like, you'd be there isn't enough world. lucky to, you'd lose four months here. If you were lucky, you could work through some of it. In December if, you, if the now, water gets hard Brian, here. Brian Pollock was telling me there's a guy in upstate New York near him, well, near Buffalo, not really upstate, that he runs out of a service van, and he's doing just that kind of work that we were talking about. He's not predominantly programming or diag. He is. I see he said on Facebook, and he was making it, making bank with it. Apparently, according to what the UAP guy is telling Brian, he is busy, and he's making really good money. And I said to Brian, I said, Brian, you got to reach out. I want to get that guy on this this channel. And I think when I'm down to ASTE this this in a month's time with you and I, this young man that that Chris is bringing, Chris Enright, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to interview either them together or I'm going to interview him because I want to hear what is his day-to-day like. What's your day start out? You start at 6 in the morning, you get home at 8 o'clock at night, and you spend, you know, you're like Scuddy staring through the steering wheel, you know, <laughs> propped up in the phone book to see over the dash, like, you know, all day long from one stop to the next, like, you know. Uh, yeah. Them guys that do it on the road, dude, it's, I do a little bit on the road. But, yeah. dude, it's like working in the dark at times. I mean, it really is, like, compared to doing it in your home base, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's, you got to be on your game. 
Like, yeah. you, you got to have your shit together because you got people looking over your shoulder. The other tech, you know, he's like looking over your shoulder, trying to, and I want to be nice because I want him to understand what we're doing and teach him something. Maybe if we can teach something, uh, but at the same time, I got to get my ass back somewhere else to make money. And, you know, it's, it's hard. And then you go mobile and everybody in the office there wants to talk. You're trying to get out of there. You got to gather all your stuff up. I don't know how guys make great money at it. Cause it's, it's a full time dead sprint from the time you get in the truck to the time you get back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I got you go, I got mad props for those guys to do it every day, day in, day out. So if if you how many calls are your for example or yours are like where it's called out to program a new ECM when you get there and it's not communicating? <sighs> and then what do you do if you that is that call? How do you handle it? So I first go, did it communicate did the did the original communicate? And then and if they say no chances are we don't have two of them that are bad, right? I mean, it happens. I will give them a courtesy fuse check. Okay. And give them a bill for a service call. Mm -hmm. I used to do no comms on the road, but if you're close to my shop, it's getting towed in. Because we all know that no comm can be a 10-minute job or it can be a 10-hour job, right? I mean, not many of them are 10 hours, right? That's exaggerating, but... Not I don't want to spend three. <laughs> I don't want to spend three hours in your shop with limited tooling because I don't throw my Pico in the truck. I generally run with my U scope and occasionally my all telescope. And then if they have piss the poor Tesla. internet, I can't get my yeah. service to come up. Um, it's just it's hard, so I don't get. I've had two in the last week that were that way. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I knew what was wrong with one of them, but I was not in a giving mood that day, so I did not mention it. I don't know. That's probably being an ass. But well, I know the first know- one I've seen semi-kicked my ass, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to give them that silver bullet. Mm-hmm. I told them what to check. I give them, I give them the the gold paved highway, but I did not give them the answer. Yeah. I didn't give them the silver bullet. I did give them what test to run. Now, did they run them? No idea, but it would have got them there. I didn't hear back from them. So I assume they got it going. Yeah. Well, I, well, I mean, I, I had a guy bring me a, uh, an Acadia from a different shop. That was a no com with a used computer in the front seat. Mm-hmm. And he was right. He just didn't know the fuse was blowed too. The computer blew the fuse. I I cracked the computer open because I had to EPROM the theft because okay. SPS wouldn't do it. So it was a, but it's it was it had been on fire. Oh, but well, that's like that 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 picture I put up the other day that that green wire in the in the then the ECM connector that I had. That wasn't anything particularly hard to troubleshoot, right? But it was just I more put it up there to say that. If you hadn't gone to what I'd gone, which is actually to pull the blocker out, push the pin up, you couldn't see that corrosion inside the connector. You could just right. see a little bit of corrosion on the end of the pin and go, well, I wonder how corroded that is. 
and then you pull but the blocker. But if you would have checked it on the an inch from the plug-in with a probe, with, if you'd have pierced it, you would have got a, a good reading because it was the power wire, right? Power wire coming out of the ECM down to the crank sensor. So you would so have got I, a you would have got if you'd have pierced it by the crank sensor, you would have got a reading or no reading. So I had no but, twelve volts at the crank sensor. So the first step was I went down to the crank sensor, I plugged it. I had the key turned on. I had no 12 volts there. So then you went to the ECM. And then I went to the ECM. Well, and I unplugged the ECM connector and I thought, well, I, I got the starter out of this because I moved the starter out of the way to get a better look at the right. And I probably didn't need to, but I was just like, fuck it. So I get it out of the way and I look and it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with the plug at the, at the crank sensor. Not crank sensor. You know what they look like. They're buried in that engine block. They're coated in rust. It's like, I do not want to change that unless I absolutely know that it needs it. Right, because you may be taking the old pan off to shove it out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I didn't want to take the oil pan off because we'd be buying an oil pan. So I go back up to the ECM connector, and I just unplug the ECM connector, and I just quick continuity check through it, and it's like, well, that's continuity. Okay. As I've got the ECM moving it around, you can see the white dust corrosion goodness coming out of the seam of the side of the of the PCM. And I'm like, that can't be good. And then, of course, another guy comes over and he's like, well, you should just take those four screws out of the back of that and look in there because I've looked in a bunch of them. And if it's like, and I'm like, I'm not opening one up until we've already got another one. That's my thing. I don't take apart ECMs and modules as a diagnostic step. So, Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't. It's the way I was trained. That's probably trained wrong. So the continuity check shows to the wire that the wire is not broken, right? but there's no 12 volts coming out of that down at the crank sensor. So I check and it's, there's no 12 volts coming out just in the harness up from the pin. So I'm at this point, I'm like, well, it's either the ECM or the the pin in the connector. So I just pull that little blocker off, shove the pin up, and I'm like, well, uh, I think we need to start here. Yeah. And do I know if that fixed the truck? No, I don't. Because that's when I then, I finished that at lunch. And then at lunch is when I got my divorce settlement. As you could say. Well, maybe they'll write on your on your last pay stub whether it fixed it or not. I ain't worried. I'm pretty confident <laughs> it did. <laughs> and here's the reality: if it didn't, it's probably still sitting there. If it didn't, because there ain't nobody there that's gonna fix it, right? Well, you can fix anything if you got enough parts and enough money, right? We've said that before. I don't know. I fix a lot with no parts, just some butt connectors and heat shrink. So I, it is what it is. That's when Brian was asking me, we were talking last week. I'm like, you know, that's the most frustrating part of this whole ordeal that went down is because I won't know. I won't know. I mean, I could find out. It fixed Phone call. I'm 99%. Worst case needed ECM. And the pin. And the pin, right. And it may have chewed the pin up in the ECM too. Did you turn it around and look at it? Yeah, it looks good that side. Yeah, you're good, then. Do I care? No. But I'm just frustrated that I'll never know. See, that's <laughs> why that's why you uh that's why you've been let go for so many jobs is you don't have the right attitude. 
with this shit. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. The attitude sucks. You know how many people have told me that you're a very talented mechanic, but your attitude is terrible? More than one. See, you're the common denominator here. I'm not listen. I'm not going to argue that point. Speechless. <laughs> argue that point. You're exactly right. But it goes back to what I said. I cannot. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be genuine. Have you I ever just, had a job to where you went, man? This is where I belong. Ah, man, that is a good question. I really liked the Ottawa dealer until the management changed. So up no. until management changed there, that might have been one. Because I don't. I wonder how many guys in this industry have. Ever, I mean, obviously they're probably still there as long as management didn't change. <laughs> I but, can. I'm jealous of those guys. I really am. You know. I mean, I don't get up and hate work anymore, but I also do what I really. Lo- I mean, I really do enjoy my job most mm-hmm. days. And I don't. I don't hate this job, and I don't hate this industry. But I've said it, I've said it more lately in the last week than I said, and I'm saying it again. If it wasn't for the podcast, and it wasn't for people like you and and the network and whatnot, I'd I'd have got out. I'd be driving a truck right now. You know, I I I probably put a turbine on and I'd go drive a truck. You gotta get your flip flops. So well, I and I get that. That's. Uh... Especially for a guy, I mean, you can pull up pretty easy and go drive a truck cross country and not, right? I mean, I got a little dog. She likes riding in the truck. She'd go with me. Yeah, you know what's her name? Lucy. Lucy. Is it Lucy? She hates everybody, so she'd be perfect. She'd be a great little guard dog. Hey, you know they take they say the dogs uh, take on their owner's personality, right? I can see that. <laughs> so I mean, oh. it's not. I hate this industry. I just, we're not wrong when Brian says that, you know, he's sick of seeing the way techs treat owners and he's sick of the way owners treat techs. He's right on both counts. And I don't know what, I mean, I, Lucas is right when he says that everybody has to be kinder to one another. That's just in general in the world today. That's not just our industry. Yeah. I got that in a, we, I'm in a couple of group messages and we were, couple guys were making fun of somebody and uh somebody reached out and said you guys ever just mentioned maybe that that guy needs to go to training mm-hmm. and then i felt about two inches tall right like i am that dick right i didn't you know oh, do I, as i say not as i do you know i don't want my kid to act that way i told my kid the other day he needed to do something because they were leaving a kid out and here we were semi doing the same thing because the guy probably didn't know any better right so it's exactly like we were talking about with Chris Enright, right? Like there's all of us that have said, your shop just needs to train. Your shop just needs to charge more. And Chris is the only one in the last year since I've been so involved with all of this that has stepped up and put his money where his mouth is. I'd be interested to meet this guy when at AST. You're going to be like a rock star, right? I won't be able to sit down and have coffee with you because you'll be, it'd be like Danner 2.0 whenever you hit the building. Yeah. Well, that's why I saw I'll start eating breakfast at six. They're either going to throw shit at you or want to talk to you. I haven't figured out which way it's going to go yet. We have a, we have a room set up for recording and there'll be a lot. And I've already got like 
a list of people that want to record, and then I have a list of people that I want to record with. So, I mean, I could be like... I'm just going to come in and put my feet up in a headset. I don't want to talk. I just want to come in and listen yeah. and laugh and I'm not signed whatever. up. I'm not signed up for any particular <laughs> classes. What I've been told I can do is like literally just go stand in the back of the room and listen. Oh, dude, I took Isaac's uh, H or his uh, hybrid and EV class because it was full last year. So, I'm excited about that because Isaac's my homie. He's a good dude. Well, and Chris is teaching... With Kim and Chris Walker, God, I hope that's the right name, from Shop Marketing Pros. Chris is actually doing a class with them on how to boost your social media presence, your Facebook ad, your all that. I've seen that, yeah. yeah. He's doing that. Brendan Dills is teaching a class. I want to sit in on that. I would throw stuff at him. <laughs> Who else was... God, there's so many that I want to. Oscar Gomez's class. I want to sit through yeah. a couple minutes of that. The using OBD. I took, uh, you know, I took PJ's Toyota drivability and EVAP. Uh, PJ's built me out of a few things, so I thought I would enjoy heck on him from the front. He's another smart dude. So he is. He is. Um, what else did I take? I think I, I can't remember if I took Brandon Streckler's or Jim Morton's class. One of those two classes. I need to. Get, I've never had either one of them, so I thought it was a good time to take one of them. I took Brendan's last year, and then I was signed up for one of Jim's, and Jim didn't make it. He couldn't make it last year. Yep, that's so right. So Brendan taught that class, and Brendan just kind of came in there with like off the cuff, and it was still amazing. So if anybody can take a Brendan Steckler class, take one because it's it's next level good. I mean, I had to miss Scuddy's class last year because of the hurricane. I left early. Yeah, I should have stayed. Yeah, I don't know. Is that the one where he drank like two bottles of Mountain Dew during? I think so. Yeah, yeah. It was like I was supposed to help him with the leashes, and then he texts me. He's like, "I see where you are." I'm like, "Man, I I told my boy I'd be home for the baseball game, and I don't want to get stuck down here, so I took off." Turns out it didn't do nothing but rain. But I saw you just before you were leaving. Remember that you yep. were coming off the elevator and you were gonna, yep. gonna head out. I'm excited, yeah, man. I, Honestly, I I can't wait to get there. I'm excited. I'm gonna be busy. Is Paul I'm coming gonna, again, or is Danner gonna stay home because the rock star? Danner has to stay home. Brian has to stay home. I seen where Brian was staying home. Yeah, there's that trade show that happens in Pennsylvania. I gotta oh, look Super at when Saturday. Mm-hmm. There's another one. I think it's tools and something or whatever. And it's in Pennsylvania. I want to say it might be in November or something like that. I'm going to see if I, if, if Paul could make it cause it's his state. I can't think that, I mean, Pennsylvania is not a small state, but I mean, if I can get him to, to try and make it to that, then I might come up and see him at that. I might drive. I might make the drive. Pennsylvania is only a day to drive there. It's so not bad for me. No. And then, cause what I'd like to do is I'd like to stay and I'd like to hang out at his brother's shop for a couple hours the next day, James Danner. And I just like to see that shop and see, you know, the, the chaos. It looks that. chaotic to me. Cars everywhere. <sighs> That's the other thing I want to talk to is because like when Paul was there last year, he was, you know, James had just was kind of new to the ownership of that shop was taking it over. 
and uh, was talking about what James was struggling with and how like he wished, oh, I wish James could be here because there's so much he could get from the business side of this stuff. And I've I, I really to mean, really meaning to reach out to Paul and say, so give me an update on what, how James has done in the last year. How has James's first year been, right? Like, I just haven't had time. So, you know, when Paul hears this, hopefully soon, I'm dying to know how it's been. And I'd just love to be able to sit down with James and, and say, so what's it like, man? How's it going? You know, that's, you, that's it, who you need. You need to get James on the podcast. What's it like being the rock stars brother? <laughs> I think the two of them would be awesome. If I could get the two of them together. Oh man, it'd be amazing. Cause it's like, yeah. So Paul Danner's the rock star, but that's just James's little brother. You know what I mean? Right. Like, just like that's just the kid that Paul James around his whole life, right? Like he doesn't. If you get if you get James on, you have to play ZZ Top though, because he looks like he plays for ZZ Top. So you got to play ZZ Top as the, the and sharp dressed man or something. And the red beard too, right? Like, yes. Yeah. It's, it's not brown and gray like mine. It's red. Like, oh, if I could grow something like that, I'd have it too. Oh, if I could get that red tinge on mine, you know, oh my god, man! I if would, I grow mine out, I just look homeless. I can't. It gets patchy. I'd talk to the pirate <laughs> for the rest of my life if I could grow that out like that. I would never <laughs> stop talking to the pirate. Shoot! I'd let you go, buddy. I uh, I can't wait. Yeah, to some see. of us have got to work tomorrow. Not me. I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. Well, send me pictures. I will. <laughs> I can't wait to see it AST. It's going to be a blast. I'll save a seat for you at breakfast every morning. So I'll try to make every one of them. All right, man. Well, I <laughs> thanks for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. I feel hey, uh, thanks I feel for really having excited me. About where we're, yeah, where we're both headed. I think it's going to be great. So you know, I appreciate I hope you. So I'm too far. Right. I'm too far gone to turn back now. Well, that's what I say. Like, what am I going to do now? I mean, I could drive truck. But, I mean, I can barely drive my car in traffic without having road rage. So if you put me like an 18-wheeler behind me, it would be not good. I guess so. you have to learn how to edit videos and go hang out at Paul's house. Caleb could teach me probably, eh? He probably could teach me. Not with that attitude. He'd probably kick you out. Hey, if you could do me a favor real quick and like, comment on, and share this episode, I'd really appreciate it. And please... Most importantly, set the podcast to automatically download every Tuesday morning. As always, I'd like to thank our amazing guests for their perspectives and expertise. And I hope that you'll please join us again next week on this journey of change. Thank you to my partners in the ASA group and to the Change in the Industry podcast. Remember what I always say, in this industry, you get what you pay for. Here's hoping everyone finds their missing 10 millimeter, and we'll see you all again next time.